Hello and welcome to Push My Follow, episode 28, South by Southwest edition. I am Michael Gaines, and with me is Annie Basio. Hi, everybody. And we have special guest Len Edgerly. Say hello. Hello. All right, we're waiting for Sarah. We don't know where she is. She got lost. She got lost. She got lost in her hometown of Austin. <laughs> but that's okay. But she's busy. So, so here we are. We're all at South by Southwest. My second year. My second year. My second year. Okay. So we're veterans. <laughs> what do you think of the show? So far, I'm having a blast. What do you not see that you would have expected? Actually, I'm really impressed. I'm not. There's nothing really that I'm missing that I thought I would see. It feels more organized this year than it did last year. It feels like everything's more smooth. Um, not so much of the chaos that there was here last year, which is surprising considering there's twice as many people here this year. Len? I was hoping I'd see more on ebooks and that sort of thing, publishing pretty thin, but there's been enough to actually go to some sessions, and then I mainly what I'm doing is in the halls. So what about some of the sessions you've been to? What have you thought of them? Any good ones, bad ones? I've been enjoying the ones that are about privacy. Um, D- Douglas uh, Rushkoff and uh, Dana Boyd both spoke on privacy and how it affects real people who are out there, not really necessarily uh, technologically smart people. And it was uh, it was interesting and, and it, it's something that I think that we all need to think about more. Len? The iPad session yesterday was very interesting, partly because there was such a crush of people and the they were they were physically keeping people out of the room, and the crowd was getting a little surly. And inside the room, there were it was a panel of four people planning to use the iPod in very different ways. One was a newspaper guy, one was a gamer. And I have been pretty high on the iPod, and I ordered one, but I was sort of blown away at the level of uh, creativity that's already just assuming this is going to be a really powerful platform. I ordered one also. And hopefully there'll be one at the store when I go pick it up. I should have pre-ordered it, had it delivered. But I went to one panel that uh, I wasn't very impressed with. It said that WordPress is killing uh, web design. And they're basically saying that because it's so easy to put up a web page that there's no creativity. What they failed to say is what else could you do? And their solution, well, there, there was one person that said that WordPress is actually good. But there was another person that said that you should really just build it up from scratch. Oh, who wants to do that? As a designer and someone who focuses on WordPress, um, building it from scratch seems like a huge waste of energy because I would much rather spend my time making it something look different and, and maybe taking the functionality of WordPress and making it do something a little bit different. I spoke to a guy today who was talking about how he built an entire platform for a client. He's in marketing. Um, using WordPress, and he was really impressed with how well it worked, and they didn't have to focus on the stuff that's already built. So that makes no sense to me. <laughs> in in developing um, object-oriented applications, there's something called the model view controller, where you have the model, which is your data, the view, which is your UI, and then the controller, which marries the two of them together. And one of the things that I wanted to scream at these people is that you know WordPress does have themes. They said that the themes themes are a waste of time. That they're t- and, and honestly, some of the themes that are on WordPress are pretty terrible. But there are some good ones. And if you're smart enough or if you can hire somebody, you can update them. But what they failed to say is that WordPress is just the content management system. Nobody wants to write that crap from scratch. And so we started a discussion there. But, yeah. I ran into somebody from Google, uh, from Blogger at, at Google uh, at the Hilton. And they apparently just 
recently, like within the last week, have released a new uh, template design thing for Blogger that's supposed to really bring it back. I saw it. Yeah, it looked pretty promising. So, And she said, uh, I said, well, what about switching my stuff from WordPress to Blogger? She said, we'd be glad to work with you on sort of a trial basis, and if you did, we'd have some uh, support help to help with problems. The one thing that she wasn't sure of, I use a podcasting plug-in on WordPress so I can just dump my audio for podcasts, and she wasn't sure that they had that, but that might be something I'll have in the future. It can't be too hard to make. I mean, the, I've seen these plugins that do uh, the MP3 plugin. You, you use one for, uh, for uh, Push My Follow in for uh, Basement Vinyl, and they're not that complicated. I can't see a big place like Google not being able to, to throw that into into Blogger. Well, the difference is because with WordPress, it's it's a self you're self hosting and you're self installing all these plugins, and if it's a hosted solution, which is what Blogger is, um, they will give limited access to these kinds of plugins, and or, or they'll they'll maintain a lot of control over it and give you limited access to personalize them and use them. And that's the huge benefit with WordPress right now is that you can go in there and you can hack it away. And if it doesn't do what you want it to do, you can make it do what you want it to do without reinventing the wheel. So. No big breakout um, websites or, or any apps this year? I mean, there's no, like, there's no Twitter, Gowala, Foursquare this year. Surprised? Mm, I am a little surprised, but I'm not sure what it would be. I'm not sure what else we would be the next step since that's not kind of where I focus anyway but Gowala and Foursquare are battling it out here noticing that um, I'm checking into both most people I know are checking into both uh, I think Foursquare is winning the battle personally because uh, I'm having more difficulty checking in with Gowala certain places I can't check into Gowala from my hotel room because I'm too high from too, <laughs> too many meters away by height from where the thing was created the initial location was created so that's kind of annoying, but um, we'll see how it goes. My opinion, Guala's prettier. Yeah. Foursquare's got better functionality. Yeah, I, I've had the feeling that Guala is winning, but uh, I've been you know trying both, and it does seem prettier to me. One that I heard about twice today was uh, Tungle, and it's a system where you can offer times when you're available for a meeting and try to speed up the process if you're emailing, especially several people, you can set up an account and say, these are the times when I'm available each week or for a specific meeting you're trying to set. And then everybody goes in and, and says, you know, I can do this, I can do that. And then it, it synchronizes with your iCal or your Outlook so that if you change a meeting on your personal calendar, it will block that out on when somebody else might be trying to make a meeting with you. So, And I, they're, they're, they were here in the expo, and Guy Kawasaki was sitting down next to him, and they were doing a demo. I'm thinking, I hope this goes well for him, you know, <laughs> if Guy likes this and says that he's going to do it. and uh, But I know it's a very clean design. They're out of Montreal, and it had the. I, I, they said that they're in six figures of accounts at this point and growing very rapidly. And you know, that might be something that breaks out a little bit. Tungle supposed to be something about taking your calendar out of the jungle or something. I don't know. But I was playing with Guala and Foursquare the entire time that I've been here, and there have been different issues that I found with both apps. And I use them strictly on the iPhone because I don't bring my laptop with me everywhere I go here at South by. And I found that both apps seem to have exactly what needs to be done. And Sarah's here. 
Hello. We're talking about Gual and Foursquare. I'm 24, female, and horny. <laughs> uh, what I've been saying, Sarah, is that uh, I've been finding that Gual and Foursquare are very equal in functionality, even though finding those functions might not be as easy. But the one thing that Foursquare allows you to do is it has a little more leeway about checking in, whereas Gual is very strict. If you're outside a certain radius, that's it. You can't check in. What, what we found is that people would mark places wrong. So if you're actually in a place, you're physically in that building, but somebody else screwed up and marked it several hundred yards northeast or something, then you can check into it. So yeah, well, I mean, I think this this is the issue when you crowdsource your database, <laughs> is you're also um, allowing for a lot of user error. And one of the ways I know that at least Foursquare gets around that is they give uh, super users some privileges. So you can go in and make corrections. Um, uh, you know, if they give you certain privileges to go in and say, you know, there's these two places need to be merged, or this place is, actually doesn't exist, or this place is located in the wrong place. Um, and I, I think more and more that needs to be done. There needs to be ways to figure out who are the users uh, that we give a little bit more of a trust level to and let them um, have some control. Uh, so, Sarah, I'll ask you the same thing that, that I've been asking them. Uh, what have you seen here that's been impressing you so far? Um, I, I, I really, I think the most fun I've had was at the Heather Gold Show, which I know Annie was at too yesterday at Malverde. Um, I'm just a big fan of Heather Gold, and and uh, and I'm also a big fan of that slogan: um, "Get excited and make things." Uh, uh, to me, that's at the heart of what makes interactive a good thing to be at, and. Um, and, and, and is energizing about the about the spirit of this whole um, conference. And, and actually I actually had a conversation this morning about what makes the interactive part different from the film and the music. And this is not in any way to to um, to diss the creative people from film and music who I really respect and admire. But interactive is all about getting together and making stuff. Film and music is all about presenting what's already been made. Um, of course, there's collaboration that goes on at film and music, and of course, there's new stuff that gets launched out of that. But the idea for me about interactive is we all get together and figure out what are the really great ideas that are happening right now. What can we build for people to use? So I'm excited about all of that. There isn't really any one particular panel or one particular session that has sparked me more than just that notion. We were talking about before that there are no breakout stuff. Uh, there are no breakout websites or, or anything that like everybody is talking about, like Twitter was or Google and Foursquare. But uh, do you think that this might be a dry year for that, and then think new things might come next year? I think it might be. I also think that there are that as the um, internet community grows, um, more and more niche sites grow. So we're seeing we're seeing the sort of the effects of that, which is that it's harder and harder to have one big breakout site that everybody's going to get excited about, since there's a larger community with more diverse interests. I was going to say the same thing about this, so many more people are coming to the conference that they have such diverse interests now that it's difficult to focus on one group. They, I mean, this is really every person I talk to. It's no, no more just just kind of coders and, and geeks and uh, there's people in all different industries who um, just aren't all cohesive enough for somebody to market to the, en masse all these people. There are what, 15,000 people that we're saying were here? What do you think most of them were trying to get out of this show? Because huh. there aren't 15,000 startups. Certainly not. Um. Let me just say that at $500 a ticket and, and more, 
people aren't here willy-nilly, but I don't see a lot of people. I, I see a lot of people just walking around, learning, but I don't see a lot of doing like like the four of us do. Um, well, you know, honestly, I think that there are a lot of people who are looking to um, to promote uh, what they're doing and to try to get a bigger audience for it. Um, whether that is a startup or not is, is another question. There's certainly a lot of people here representing um, larger corporate brands, um, and they're walking around in groups. You know, there, there, are, there are companies that can afford to buy five or ten tickets for um, a set of people to come to this conference. Even though we're in the middle of a recession, it doesn't mean everybody can't afford you know, to spend five ten thousand dollars every year at South by, um, it's important to have brand presence here. I know there's a lot of people from Austin who um, can shell out the money for the ticket because they don't have to pay for a hotel and they don't have to pay for an airline ticket. So I see. I, I mean, I run into more people I know just from town who are here in the convention center. So for them, it's a little less of a burden, even though it's a very high price ticket still um, to come from their house. <laughs> I think for a lot of people, um, they're here on their employer's dime because it's expensive when you look at it on an individual basis. But for a lot of businesses, this isn't that of an expensive t- ticket. It's not. It's not compared to a lot of other conferences that they might send people to, uh, marketing conferences and that sort of thing. So this might be a, a deal. And I'm noticing it's a lot of young people who might be the the, the younger employees. And they're saying, "Oh yeah, you go to that and tell us what's going on. Tell us the new stuff." For more established businesses, it seems like I'm hearing a lot of that sort of thing. You know, one thing that's I'm trying to think of a thread that runs through the different people I've just visited with one on one, and I get the feeling that for a lot of people, whatever they're doing, they maybe feel a little. If it, to the extent they feel stuck and they want to be doing the next level of what they're doing, they come here thinking that they'll be finding ideas. You know, maybe some very detailed improvements to what they're doing, or people that could be involved in what they're doing or people that could simply inspire them because of what they're doing. And, you know, one example, I sat down at a table with a guy who's got something called Windy Citizen, which is a a localized dig-type platform in Chicago. And it's apparently making money, and he created it himself, and he wants to go to the next city, and he doesn't know whether that's New York or L.A. or or whatever. So he's, he's just sort of poised. And, you know, for, he's, he's paying his own, own way here, I'm sure. And I, another guy I had lunch with, the same kind of a thing. He, he's about my age. He says, I just want to know what the next thing I'm going to do is. Um, and I don't know. That's it's sort of a vague motivation, but it can be pretty powerful. If, you, if you've got an ache or a yearning and you know what kind of people come to this and how they're all sort of moving forward in the real world, it's a pretty good chance you're going to leave with something you didn't have when you came. As an independent broadcaster, I want to ask you, Len, what's what's your, um, you know, for, for you to be here, how important is it for you to be here? Um, you know, you, I assume that, you, that you're here on your own dime, although I might be wrong. Uh, just from your perspective, coming here and, and spending the money to be here, is it worth it? What's the, what's the ROI for you? <laughs> The ROI is a thousand percent of nothing, but for me, I had one very simple goal: was just to get five real solid interviews for the Reading Edge podcast, which is the one that's not so Kindle focused. And I've already got four. And the the thing which is sort of the simplest is like at the iPad uh, panel, one guy was doing new media for the Village Voice media chain. 
Another woman was doing digital media for Hyperion, the publisher. So these are people that are totally right for my podcast, and I can just go up to them and say, hey, have you got 20 minutes after this and do a recording? So I think this is another uh, clue, is that a lot of people come here really to gather content, to, to meet people, to talk to people, and actually to push that content um, to their own websites or to their own products. I think this is a very, it's, it's, it's a fruitful place to be able to talk to people and, and then push that content online. And uh, going back to what Len was saying about looking for the next step, what's next to do. I mean, it's kind of part of why I'm here and why I'm here and a lot of other people, too, is to see what other people are doing and how they're moving forward and maybe to um, get some ideas of what's next um, based on what other people are doing. And so having those conversations and maybe taking you in a direction you hadn't thought about, that sort of thing. So I think just, just physically being with people and, and in a situation where you can easily strike up a conversation with a stranger because you have something in common immediately. Um, I think that that just kind of just builds something for all of us here. Last year was my first year. I had no idea what I was doing. I basically I just came here to absorb and you know to hang out with these lovely people, <laughs> especially you, Sarah. I'm the loveliest. <laughs> but but seriously, uh, my friend Chrissy and I we we started a new website, and I've been doing exactly what you were saying is talking to certain people and just getting content for the site. Also, at the same time, I've been trying to find some sort of vibe from here. Like, what do people want? Uh, the, the site is what, what we call a home for geeks. But essentially what I want to do is I want to I make sure that we put the right content on the site. And I've been talking to people on and off about what they would want. And I tell people what the site's about. And some people get really pretty excited about it. I say, well, what would you like to see on it? Because it's great. To, you know, the title is great, but what do you want to see on it? So that's that's another thing that we've been doing. Um, is there a need that's not being filled here this year? Is there something missing? Or are we all geolocated, Twittered, out? The need is for the conference to open up to people who can't afford to be here. The need, I think, so much is to uh, recognize that we're in a recession, that the price is prohibitive, and that there are a lot of students, unemployed people, and people who are out in the community who would benefit from being here who can't be here. I just wanted to say that um, I'm noticing, um, even just since last year, a little bit more of a disconnect between, uh, I, I hate to use it again, but A-listers versus the rest of the, the, the people. Um, there's a lot of uh, well-known web celebrities who are talking to each other a lot. And we saw this a little bit last year, and I'm seeing it constantly this year. And there's no real connection between the two, whereas South by traditionally was kind of a groundswell from people who were in the trenches, and it's become more of a, a kind of a, a party location for those upper-level people. And I don't, I don't know, I could be wrong, but it doesn't sound like they're listening to what's going on on a lower level. And I hate to use upper-lower level, but that's kind of the best way to visualize it, I think. What I wanted to originally say before we were fighting for the microphone, and you won, was that I've been noticing that nobody checks badges here. So you can conceivably walk in. Exactly. And, and Sarah's showing her badge, which has been covered with her um, helpattack.com card. I'm not trying to promote it. I'm just saying I have, a, I have a card that completely obscures my name and information, and no one has ever stopped me to say... Um, you don't belong here. They stopped me to say, what's well, help attack, which is great. But that's, you know, nobody cares. There's no... So maybe people can sort of wander in off the street. And I say wander in like students and such. But um, but the other point that I wanted to make to you about, Annie, about uh, the, the upper and lower 
people. I've I've talked to some of the upper level people, and and I don't know. I maybe maybe you see that. I don't. I've been talking to them directly, and I'm definitely not an A-lister, so I don't know. Maybe I don't know. You're a B-lister. I, I think I'm I, a D-lister. I, I think it's, but you know, I mean, you know, you know, people sort of. I, sure. I, I think it's also, I, I think it's just the nature of the position that they're in. I, I don't think that they necessarily want to only talk to each other. It's kind of like it, it's our own little mini version of celebrity dumb, right? Yeah. It, it's not that they, it's not that they are snobby or that they are putting themselves above anybody. It's just that that's kind of the the, the culture that gets created almost by default. Right, and I'm not trying to like blame them or say that this is something that's that's they're they're trying to do this. It's it's the nature of the beast. The, the fact is that they, there are a lot of people who want their attention, and there's a lot a whole lot of people here who want their attention, and they're just like anyone else. They have a limited amount of actual time and, and ability to to talk to people, so it's easier for them to kind of be in their comfort zone, and that's their comfort zone. The difference I think here is that it's kind of everyone else is seeing it. It's not that they're and they're not having these conversations somewhere that we don't have access to. We can see them all sitting together in a click in the in the hotel lobby. So that's kind of different. That that just feels a little bit more heavy handed to me this year. So I don't know. One experience I had yesterday, I ran into CC Chapman, you know, I know from Boston. I just said, "Well, how's it going?" And he had this kind of haunted response. He, he said, "Every single hour, I'm supposed to be." doing all of these things and it was like living from hour to hour scheduled and you know it was sort of a great problem to have but then I was out on the sidewalk walking along just saying oh I wonder what I'm going to do next and I said this is in some ways so much better to be able to drift in this environment with a lot of serendipity and not much pressure and you know I'd love to be an A-lister that had those problems but it, it I suspect it creates its own kind of isolation and uh, burdens or, or obstacles to really getting the most out of this. Absolutely. And and in the case, you know, CeCe's a great guy and he wants to talk to everybody. Um, and he's running up probably against that wall of time, you know, and he just, you just can't do everything that you would want to do because you, there's only so much of you to go around. So. I just want to, because everybody's fighting for the microphone. I love you, Sarah. <laughs> Is that, I have so much to say. Uh, I saw a tweet from Leo Laporte. He basically said, I'm going to lunch here. Who wants to come? And I just see that as not separating yourself from, from everybody else. And he invited a whole bunch. You're, you're sneering at me. How many people went? <laughs> How many people went? Um, from the tweets that I saw, quite a bit. And that's that's the issue right there. I mean, Leo Laporte tweets, "I'm going to so and so place for lunch. Come meet me." He's not saying, "I want to come have a conversation with you," because right. none of those people are going. Did well, if it did, that's great. If somebody was able to actually have a, a conversation where Leo Laporte was listening to what they were saying and, and having a one-on-one conversation, I doubt that happened unless you know of one that did. Just because there's everybody's wanting his time, and so you, it's, if you're going to have that conversation, this is not the place to have that conversation. But I mean, I don't know if there's an answer. I don't know if it's even a problem. I just know that it's something that's, that I'm seeing, and it's, it seemed very obvious. For me, really, the issue also is, like, Leo Laporte is great, and Robert Scoble is great, and 
Chris Brogan is great, and they're, you know, they're all people that I admire. Anna Marie Cox is going to be here, and she's great. Like, th- these are all, like, you know, quote unquote, A-listers, people that are, and, and they're wonderful, and I, and I, you know, given the opportunity, would love to talk to them, and, um, you know, and, and that's fine. But the point is that there are 1,500 people, how many people here? 15,000 people here, I mean, um, a lot of whom are as bright, intelligent, thoughtful, creative, um, innovative, future thinking as those people and they're the ones like there's plenty of people to talk to to share your ideas with and and if you just want to get in front of leo laporte because you want leo laporte to give you you know a pat on the back and an ego boost because you can then say like i hung out with leo laporte then that's that's not what this is about i I was walking down the hallway yesterday and it was just really funny because it was like I saw the Robert Scoble entourage go by, and then I saw the Leo Laporte entourage go by, and then I saw, like, somebody, I can't even remember, like, somebody else's entourage go by. And then, like, I walked by Chris Perillo, and he was just walking. And, you know, I didn't say hi, but I was like, well, there's Chris Perillo, you know. And he's like, he he's here, you know, and he's like, he's one of us. And, and to me, like, he's, he's pretty A-list, but he's, like, much quieter about it. And uh, I just, I feel like there's so, you know, there's so much to get here just from sitting down and having a conversation with somebody who's hanging out at a table by the escalator. And you don't know who that person is and what they're about. And that's who you want to get in front of. Like, you don't have to get in front of Leo Laporte to get a lot out of South by Southwest. You just have to meet people and start talking about your ideas. For the record, I didn't go to that lunch. (laughs) 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 But uh, the point that I was trying to make is that I thought that it was interesting that he would ask people to go. Because you were talking about how they all talk to each other. And then for somebody to say, you know, we're all going out to lunch. I and, would just I, write. and I don't want to question his motives, but I think there's a little bit in there that's like, how many people can I get to show up at this restaurant if I just say, like, I'm going to be at, you know, there's whatever. There's celebrity culture going on there. The dig booth, the, uh, the booth, the, the dig party that was last night, I mean, they had a line out the door, and that's that's crazy. I mean, and just, just so everybody can get a glimpse of, like, Kevin Rose. <laughs> do, you know, do you know how I enjoyed the dig party last night? I watched Leo Laporte's live Ustream. <laughs> which he did for, with a backpack on his back, and I watched a parade of people walk up to introduce themselves to Leo Laporte. That's how I watched. I sat in my hotel room, and that's and it felt like I was kind of there, except you know, in Leo's head. It was really fascinating. <laughs> I spent the night hanging out with friends at dinner at the what was it place called? It's called Trudy's. Do you know it? Yeah, I had breakfast there today. Okay, awesome place. I had um. It was the, I forgot what I had. Enchiladas. Niggas enchiladas. Yeah. Yeah, awesome stuff. <laughs> and I heard that the um, Trezo stuffed chicken was really good. I'm more about their breakfast things actually. Now, now that we're talking about Trudy's, they have a good Bloody Mary. They have great uh, Mexican eggs Benedict. I recommend that. Okay. So, what other thoughts do you have about the show? Anybody? Um, just in general about South by Southwest, and yeah. and and you know, I guess. Um, I'm interested to see, like, uh, what the takeaway is this year. You know, I feel like, like you said, like, there isn't really one breakout app, and people are now starting to talk about, um, um, I think in some ways people are are becoming a little bit more thoughtful, and I'm glad that the keynote was about privacy and publicity and and how to manage that. if you if you haven't already read um, what Dana Boyd is about, that was a good introduction uh, to what she has to say, but... Um, I think it's it's really time that we kind of hunker down and start thinking about what are we creating, um, you know, and, and, and what sort of um, precedents are we setting for communities um, going forward. And I, I think that's what I'm getting out of this year. 
And I said this before Sarah got here, but I pretty much said very so much the same thing that you said. That that's that's really I think where we all need to to focus is is um, yeah what we're creating and what what um, we're building that people will under will they understand it, um, and if they don't understand it, what kind of damage could that do? <laughs> we're passing the microphone. Who wants to be- I just have something to say about that is that a lot of people have computers and don't even know how to use the computers that they own. Um, there are some people that say, do I have Yahoo on my computer? Do I have Google? No, you don't. It's, it's on the Internet. And So if they don't know how to use their computers, how are they going to set their, their privacy up? Uh, if they have their own little group of people, their own little group of friends, 5, 10, 15, maybe more friends, and they think that only those people can see those pictures... Or, or whatever the, the privacy settings are, addresses, phone numbers, birth dates. No social security numbers on any of these sites from what I know. Not yet. not yet, but they better not ask for them because I don't think anybody would ever give that up. So privacy, I think, is probably, it's, it's not in the spotlight this year, but I think it's something that's on everybody's mind. I, I do hear people talking about it. Especially geolocation. I think that's becoming really a, a, a hot topic with, with Foursquare and Gowalla, which get mentioned a lot, but, but which really have sort of brought it to the forefront. But really also Google Maps and all of the ways that Google is tapping into geo. I, I think this, this notion of um, how, what's okay, what's safe, what do we want people to know about ourselves um, is, is very, very important. And um, just before South by an announcement that Facebook is going to be adding geolocation to Facebook. That's going to be huge. That's going to be huge because Facebook is where the real people are. That's where people feel, well, they they feel more comfortable than they should there. And um, they're not going to, just like they don't check their privacy settings now, they're not going to check their whether their locations are being uh, set. So that's going to be an issue. That's going to be an issue. Did they say anything about when that's going to happen? Um, they didn't give a date. Um, it's not in the near, near future, but it's, um, you know, it's something that they're working on. Less but they didn't year. give a date. Yeah, I would say within the year. I can't imagine it would be difficult for the engineers to, to implement it. So I would probably think it would be sooner rather than later. Geolocation is really not that tough. Well, just knowing that they that they recently lost their mobile app developer, and so they're they're kind of re. re oh, are they? I didn't know that. Yeah, that, so that that whole side of Facebook got reorged. So I, I think that might have slowed things down too, as well. But because that's obviously where the geo is going to matter most. Anything else before we close? Yeah, one thing that I've heard in conversations, and Douglas Rushkoff hit it was sort of a, a pushback on the whole enterprise in terms of personal life, life in the real world. I mean, some of the stuff that Eric seems to talk about on the show sometimes, of, you know, he knows a real farmer, you know. And, <laughs> and uh, I have a sense that that is starting to creep in here uh, so that it's not such a uh, monochromatic enthusiasm for everything Internet and what's the next thing, that, that some of the human issues and the... Uh, life and society as real humans. I mean, Rushkoff, I found, sort of tore my head off because I, I think of him as somebody that's just a pioneer and has been a promulgator for years. And it's almost as if he's reached a point in his exploration of it that uh, it, it has got a fair amount of doubt in it. And, and I, I find that interesting. I don't. It doesn't lead to any natural solutions, but... I'm surprised at how often that topic tends to come up in these kinds of settings. 
Vershkov had a, um, he kind of tried to build a, a little roadmap. Um, he called it the Ten Commands during his, uh, his keynote that he gave, gave the other day. Um, a way for people to kind of focus, um, people who understand technology to help uh, mold as we go along uh, technology so that people understand what they're doing and where the control is, which is about maintaining your own privacy. And, and Dana Boyd spoke about almost the exact same thing, but coming from her own research. I mean, it's, it's just, it, it, obviously, it's, it's, it's a huge issue, and thank God there are really bright people talking about it. So that, 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 that's important. That means something. Anything, Sarah, before we close? Um, well, I just think, you know, what's interesting to me, again, is this idea of the digital divide and, and remembering that there are, you know, there are real normal people out there. There are farmers out there. Um, uh, and I think that's come up a lot uh, this year as well. But, but to me, always, you know, what, what's truthful is that eventually people, everybody's coming here. So it, it's almost like, you know, we're, even though what gets done here and talked about here and, and built here and developed here and collaborated on here isn't necessarily applicable yet. It will be applicable eventually. Um, and I think that that's important. And I, and I think that most of the thoughtful people who are working on technology now know that. Um, so it's not necessarily that they that they're blind to the fact that there's a, just a minority right now that's using this technology. I think it's much more that they're aware that this is where things are headed and they're trying to make it right. The only thing that I would add is that if anybody's out there listening that knows that somebody may be using their privacy settings wrong, if we're all talking about security and privacy, educate them into, into doing so, setting everything up right. I also think it, it might be um, a responsibility of Facebook and all these other sites to say, dude, you really need to know what you're doing here. Um, and they don't do that. They basically just throw you in the lines and say, okay, you fend for yourself. And, and if you get stalked or something, well, that's your fault. And, and I, I really don't know if there's any liability there, but I just don't think that these, these sites are doing their best at educating the, 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 the regular people, like my mom or something like that. If my mom didn't have me to teach her about this stuff, who would? It's, gonna be, it's not going to be her friends because they're making the same mistakes. I gave a presentation to a small group uh, last week, and right. the thing that I tried to show them most, it was about Facebook privacy, and what I pointed out was Facebook wants you to share everything with everyone. They don't want you to lock anything down. And uh, they seemed surprised to hear that. They, they didn't um, really know that that was the case. You know, they didn't. Really, I'm like, Facebook is in the business of, of, of working with their advertisers. They want their their feeding information, and they're gathering information. And the the more you lock down, the worse it is for Facebook. Mm-hmm. All right, we're going to close. All right, I want to thank everybody for coming. I want to thank Len. Finally, thank <laughs> after we, we won't talk about the problem last year, Annie. <laughs> <laughs> about the button, that, the record button that wasn't pushed. <laughs> We want to thank Pepsi for their uh, their podcast. Is it Podcast Pavilion? Playground. Playground. Podcast Playground. Sarah looks at me. She's looking at me like she's going to bite my head off. I'm on a jungle gym right now. I'm 24, female, horny, and on a jungle gym. Upside down. (laughs) (laughs) I want to thank the the people at South by Southwest who, you know, indirectly helped us put this show together, this specific show. I want to thank Len for... for, No, what is this? This is an Olympus what? Olympus L11, I think, or LS10. LS10, yeah. Okay, so he lent us his LS10. Um, 
I did not bring, well, I mean, I brought a voice recorder, but we were under the impression that we were going to have more stuff at this podcast playground, and um, sorry, I forgot a snowball. So, <laughs> it's okay. Sorry, I'm so sorry. So, we're using lens equipment. This, this thing is awesome. If it wasn't so damn expensive, I'd probably buy one myself. I have a little iAudio voice recorder. <laughs> and it works, but we're using a, what is it? This? this is a CS15 Roland microphone. I'm just telling everybody in case there, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta help. I gotta help the people out there that may be doing this for the first time. Say, how do they do this portably? It's all about education. Yes. Sarah's looking at me like, stop it. Let's keep going. All right. If you want to find us on the net, we're at pushmyfollow.com. I am at Starmike on Twitter. At Orchid Eight. At Banani. That's B A N A N N I E. Get the ends in the right place, please. <laughs> At Len Edgerly, L-E-N-E-D-G-E-R-L-Y. Okay, that's it. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye.